Let's fucking do this. Welcome to So Bad It's Bad, the podcast that takes the brain out of brainstorming. My name is John Lester. And my name is Sonesh Chainani. Sonesh. Yes, sir. How was your summer? Uh, it was pretty good, actually. Uh, I did not have my kids and I missed them, uh, but I got to be a grown up and go travel and sleep and do grown up things. And that was really fun. How about you? Um, uh, my summer was pretty good. What One thing I didn't do is... Uh, uh, nearly die several times, which I feel like you did do. I did. I did. <laughs> I um, uh, I went on a there's, ropes There's course. strong rumors. Yeah, there's strong rumors that you are um, uh, cultivating uh, a dangerous sense of uh, almost dying yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's I I think that's fair. I think and I think you and I have had this conversation that the older and more settled I get, the more I'm willing to spend vast quantities of money putting myself and my kids in dangerous situations <laughs> so i had a rafting trip about two years ago in ecuador my friend Yvonne was there too and uh, our raft flip and i think we both felt that we almost died i got trapped under the raft it was yep. very terrifying in the amazon it was freezing and i vowed never to go rafting again um, and so I took my kids white water rafting. <laughs> I decided oh, that I would get over my fear by doing it and also bringing two 11 year olds who have never done it before. Yeah. So that worked out good. It did. It did actually. We, we had, we had a lot of fun. Uh, and so, you know, I was like, you know what, sometimes you try things and they're scary and dangerous and you try them again. And, and then, and then you try them a third time and you die exactly. and, and then and, it's all, and all so done for whitewater rafting. And then I went on my second ever ropes course cause I have a fear of heights and that went worse than the first time. Uh, I had a panic attack. I started <laughs> hugging a tree. I babbled. Uh, I got injured. I swung by my arm over his line. So can we? I, there's can we really schedule? No moral, I guess is that sometimes you're scared of something, and if you try it again, you will die. I guess, and then sometimes you won't. Um, uh, not sure if we should keep trying these things, but I, I have a feeling it's I, not going to stop anytime soon on my end. Here's my only request: like, feel free. To, you know, chase your bliss by uh, confronting perfectly reasonable fears uh, that you happen to have. But can we at least record the podcast while you're doing it? Yeah, can we enough. get this on audio? No, I, I, I think that's legit. Um, I also we had an amazing Labor Day weekend in Asheville, but uh, I, ju I just realized before that my son uh, had kind of cut his head open in school. He fell. He's clumsy gene runs in the family hit his head six stitches um so he had stitches and they're like don't do anything you know too um kind of dangerous or physical and i was like absolutely and then we went white water rafting we rode a segway we went hiking we went mountain biking so i i kind of didn't you know uh that was it was both awesome and terrible parenting at the same time <laughs> um yeah, I don't I don't have anywhere to send my kids in the summer, so I just end up hanging out with them mostly. And they're all right. Yeah, I, I do that all yeah. year long. I, they're they're all right, but yeah, I need a break. <laughs> all right, well let, let's let's fucking do this. Uh, let's let's think of some terrible ideas. Sure. I'm, so I'm our first one, I think this is our first request we've gotten via Twitter, and it's from my buddy Peter Reynolds, uh, currently of Hong Kong. Um, which is a pretty chill wow, place. Is this, these is this our days. first request from the continent of Asia? It's pretty good. 
Uh, yeah, I think it might be. I think it might be. I mean, um, I like to think we're all Asian uh, in some ways. I, I don't. Um, I, all right, so- I just. I'm gonna let. I'm gonna let a silence fester and not say anything. <laughs> okay, perfect. Uh, Mr. Reynolds wants to know worst places for a destination wedding. <laughs> and I don't. I don't know why he wants to know this. It's. It's uh, kind of. I, I. I. I like it. Yeah, let me let me uh, put one place out on there uh, on the little short list here. Hong fucking Kong. <laughs> uh, not not a great place to have a bunch of people travel to right now. Uh, what with the airports getting shut down. I love I love I love the 76 over there. I think it's funny because it's like I think some of this question, the presumption is that the people who are having the wedding are in somewhere desirable, right? Cause it's not, I mean, if you're in a shit town, going to another shit town is yeah. not big a deal, but the idea of everyone in London deciding to go to like Scranton or something or Gary, Indiana is kind of amazing. I mean, I can imagine um, kind of a hipster irony aesthetic of let's intentionally go somewhere terrible as like a funny haha, but it, I think it would just be terrible. Yeah, but what do you mean by terror? Like, I'm, I see, I, I see hipsters picking like Marfa or like little weird places with an art scene and beautiful vistas. Yeah. But I'm talking about like a paper mill town, like where the office takes place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, like every, everyone from, you know, Santa Barbara, for example, decides to go to Hartford for a wedding. Yeah. Um, so my favorite thing about Destination Wedding is basically it allows you to, naturally screen out people that aren't really committed to spending time with you. So you still get to invite them, potentially get squeezing a gift out of them. Oh, I, I live this a hundred percent. Yeah. If if you're not sure, you know, we, I got married in India when I was living in the U S if you're not sure whether you should invite them, you invite them because they're not coming to fucking India. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and it's, um, and and you get even if you don't get a gift, you engender goodwill, right? Like you're like, yeah, come. You can you can meet strangers yeah. on the street and genuinely invite them to your wedding because they're not going to come. <laughs> so in that sense, I think the worst place for a destination wedding would be like at your great aunt Judy's house. <laughs> like, just pick the people who you intentionally want to invite but screen out and have it at their house. I, I think it. that would be the worst. So they they have to come. <laughs> exactly. What are, so what else do people do destination besides weddings? You know, I I'm seeing a lot of wealthy Indians having weddings in places they have no connection to. It's very interesting. It's like people who live in New York or London are having weddings in Lisbon and Bali and stuff. And I you know, I, I I don't know. It, it feels a little strange to me because, I mean, although those are beautiful places, you have no connection, right? No one you know lives there. Everyone has to travel somewhere where, like, you don't have a favorite restaurant or you don't know the place. Um, I, but I'm, I'm definitely seeing that trend more. Mm. Thankfully, I think young people do that. I think as you get old, you just get married at City Hall with, like, your kids from previous marriages. Yeah, nobody gives a shit at that point. Yeah, it's, it's um. much better. Uh, yeah, you're kind of done uh, with that mess. I guess my question is, what what besides getting married would be an event you would like make a bunch of people travel for? Like, 
there's not really a destination birthday parties. No, but what if you schedule your wedding sometimes. around like a convention or something? So everyone comes to Charlotte, and the reason you invite them to Charlotte is because you're a Rodan and Fields MLM consultant, and there's a convention at the hotel that we go. I like That's this kind idea. Of amazing. Or yeah. you're just a geek, and, and everyone's like, wait, why are we in this little town in Washington? And you're like, oh, no, this is the Twin Peaks convention, or just like some kind of convention. <laughs> Yeah, um, the, uh, that's the, probably the, the emerging worst place because because only one of the yeah. people getting married is going to be into that. Oh God, some kind of um, one of those like terrible meta uh, conventions that's uh, like a multi level uh, marketing and networking convention. That would be an amazing place to have a wedding and just stage the wedding right in the middle of that fucking. Yeah, because thing. I I love the idea that theoretically a destination wedding is somewhere where like your guests can do fun things, right? But if it's a convention yeah. center. In I don't know, you know, some town in the Midwest, it's like there isn't really anything to do, right? Everyone is here because you've chosen your attendance at the convention over their well-being, which I love. <laughs> that's that's probably the worst destination wedding where that's got to be it. I think we found it. Bride gets something out of it, and you've spent money and you get nothing out of it. I, I think that's it. Awesome. Let's move on to uh, to our next one. So this is an idea for a movie I had. And in my pre-production research, I discovered a terrible thing. Um, but let, let me at least pitch my idea. And then we'll get to the terrible news I discovered. Caravaggio. Do you know about this motherfucker, this painter? <laughs> I I am aware of the, the motherfucking Renaissance painter, so, Caravaggio. So I, you know, like most people, I I've, have a vague uh passing familiarity with with Caravaggio. I I had forgotten that he painted one of my all-time favorite paintings actually, uh Judith beheading Hol- uh Holofernes yep. or however one says that. Um which I think I actually had a huge print of at some point. I think you might have uh, too. Yeah. I, I was big into that painting. It was so fucking weird to me that I that I really liked it. But I only in recent weeks did I become aware of the life story of Caravaggio. Do you, have you ever heard anything about this dude? Uh, I there was all I know. Yes, a little bit. There was some. There was like a murder or something, or he was like a. There was like some kind of. Didn't he? He had the death sentence against him, and he fled. Yeah, yeah. So, dude was crazy. Yes, uh, is the is going to be the headline message. Um. So, uh, when he's a kid, bubonic plague kills his whole family. Um, as an orphan, he like falls in with a street gang. This is all in like around 1600. And then eventually moves to Rome, starts painting uh, like in his 20s, gets a bunch of religious commissions, uh, gets a patronage, and, but then proceeds to piss everybody off. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, he, he loves to he like loves to bra- he's like a brawler, right? Exactly. Exactly. Super violent. So um, apparently he would do a couple weeks of work and then uh, after, to celebrate having done a couple weeks of work. He would uh, just, quote, swagger about for a month or two with a sword at his side and a servant following him from one ball court to the next, ever ready to engage in a fight. Love it. Yeah, which is pretty amazing. Uh, so he got his, his assaults included throwing a plate of artichokes at a waiter in 1604, attacking Roman guards with stones in 1605. And then in 1606, he killed a well-known Roman pimp named Renuccio Tomassoni. Uh, uh, historically, traditionally, uh, the argument uh, where he killed this pimp was over a tennis game. <laughs> Which tennis? So nice tennis. I mean, I, 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 the way I, I love that he's 
like some a cross between kind of like Leonardo da Vinci and like Conor McGregor and then like an MMA artist, yeah. right? It's like he yeah. he's actually obviously a genius and incredibly talented and like all the shading stuff in the nudes. And then he just wants to like fucking fight and throw artichokes at your head and kill you. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, it's amazing, right? So he's br- like brilliant painter, but uh, yeah, he attacks some like senior knight in the order of St. John in Malta, uh, gets jailed, escapes jail, uh get like is in hiding tries to get the pope to like forgive him and eventually dies uh, I, I just added a task on my phone that just said read caravaggio <laughs> biography so i i don't know how i got on onto caravaggio uh, I, I don't either because i have it, to be honest when we were when we had that last clunky transition and you suddenly just said fucking caravaggio man i thought i had misheard <laughs> I, that may if you had said what is what is the least thing the least likely thing John Lester is about to talk about right now, I would have said Renaissance yeah. painting. So kudos yeah. to you for so, confounding my expectations. That's pretty good. All right. So we'll let, let, let me get to the brainstorming part of this. So far, this is just extensive and impressive background uh, research <laughs> on my it's, part. Honestly, it's not that impressive. I'm pretty sure you read a Wikipedia article. First of all, I did, but I then I went to biography.com and uh, read selections from it. So, <laughs> and you know, yesterday you took you. a quick trip to the archives in Italy where you did some firsthand <laughs> research on primary sources. That I, man, I had to uh, I had to Dan Brown the shit out of this situation here. Here's my pitch. My here's my original pitch. Isn't this already a perfect movie? The answer is obviously yes. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It is. Right. But now, the bad made? news, it has, which I did not figure out until about 10 minutes ago. In 1986, uh, Derek Jarman directed this film. Uh, it was the film debut of Tilda Swinton what? and Sean Bean. Yeah. What is happening? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Have, uh, have you watched it? No. I literally found out about this 10 minutes ago. Okay. We may have to Skype watch it together. <laughs> we might have to. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it looks it looks amazing. So here here was going to be my pitch, though, which I, I don't I don't know if I can live up to this this 86 movie. Uh, but like, who who would you propose to play this Caravaggio character? Tilda Swinton. <laughs> <laughs> that is the correct answer. A hundred percent. Tilda Swinton now needs to play Caravaggio. <laughs> there is no one else in the world who can do it. I, going back to, I like to think we're all Asian. You know, I'd like to think we're all a little bit. Caravaggio too, and she's yeah. certainly and, and and Asian, but she hasn't played Caravaggio. And we are we are all also all Tilda Swinton. So by some commutative property, she hundred percent has to play Caravaggio. So if if we can't get Tilda, uh, here was my pitch was going to be Danny McBride. <laughs> can't you see him being this like? I, I can Danny McBride esque motherfucker I, I, like hundred percent run around painting for, first of all, and whoring and beating people up threatening so I could you know yeah uh, but I also I have some difficulty seeing him in a period piece so I I, would think, <laughs> I know I would think that it would have to be kind of a modern transposing of Caravaggio to like Kentucky in the mid nineties right here see here's how I think I think we let McBride be McBride like. Just full on as he is now. Everybody else plays it straight period piece. <laughs> and and to and, and I think for particular contrast, I think this is kind of like 
in my mind, almost a uh, an Amadeus type move where we've got the crazy, difficult to understand uh, weirdo genius um, with his, all his bad behavior. And then we need like a more civilized but less talented painter, right? Just like in, in uh, the wonderful movie Amadeus. And I'm thinking that could be played by Liam Neeson as kind of the straight guy. Okay, but here, I'm, I'm kicking up a notch. What if to complete this, you gave them different scripts and told them they were working on different projects? So you told <laughs> you told Liam Neeson and the rest of the and cast. And then you just, comp- yeah, you composite making, it together. They're making a chamber oh, piece about, about like an artist's life. And it's going to be, it might garner an Academy Award nomination for best foreign film, right? And then you tell Danny McBride you're doing kind of a dark comedy about an artist genius and you know you're going to film it in central europe to be a little different or something but they they just do oh, not realize good. their their projects are are the same one. Oh, that's so good yeah just green screen them together love oh, it. it's gonna be good love okay it. um please uh send us some money and we'll we'll get that one made uh tilda uh danny liam etc get get at us okay let's turn to our one of our uh what's the word i'm looking for Wellsprings, uh, uh, something we go back to. A yeah. Well, yeah, sure. Uh, we'll, oh, I'll take it. Wellspring. Fonts, one of our fonts <laughs> of inspiration. Okay, yeah, fonts of inspiration. All right, let's go with that. Um, on Reddit and the uh, subreddit, Sanders for President. I, I think the um, we're recording here on uh, Thursday evening. I think the Democratic uh, presidential candidates in the United States. We, are, we John and I are so deeply committed to the political <laughs> process, but we are even more committed Look, to this podcast. So this stupid fucking idiotic podcast. You, our um, listeners and our rabid fans, <laughs> need to know how devoted we are to this. So on, on the Sanders for President uh, subreddit, someone has posted creative ideas for Bernie interviews. Where would you love to see Bernie? I was thinking about how well the Joe Rogan and Cardi B interviews are doing. Apparently, those are things that happen. I didn't know that. And I thought it would be a good idea to make a thread to discuss good potential shows, podcast people for Bernie to sit down and have a conversation with. I've heard a few interesting ideas, such as Danny DeVito, Mark Ruffalo, Hot Ones. Okay, so backtracking, I like the first question better posed. Where do you see Bernie? Like, to me, that was more (laughs) literal. Like, oh, Bernie's in Croatia, you know, or like, what country do you want to see Bernie at the Great Wall? Like, where do you want to see Bernie? Like, almost like a Where's Waldo with Bernie in it. I was about to say, I would, this would be an amazing Where's Waldo book. We just put Bernie in all kinds of places. I actually think. Where's Bernie? We're actually everyone's Waldo, except there's like a cranky older man hunched over, hidden somewhere is amazing. I I also think um, I what about this? Uh, Let's take it up a notch. So Netflix, right? Digital streaming TV movies, all that stuff, like huge catalog, except in every single thing on there. Right. You go to watch uh, Children of a Lesser God. But at some point, they've snuck in Bernie into every single thing on the streaming platform. <laughs> and you have to find Bernie, right? And and to be clear, this is without his consent. <laughs> no, of course not. He's definitely not involved. <laughs> 100% not involved. I, no, I it's love just Bernie, like in the background so, at some point. I love Bernie, but I can absolutely say he would not consent to this. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I, I think that would be pretty good. 
I do. I, I love it. And I, he, you know, there's a slightly curmudgeonly Hitchcock thing air about him. Do you know what I mean? You know, yeah. Hitchcock yeah. Kept inserting himself in all his movies. Again, that was like a wink <laughs> and a cameo. But this is better slash worse because it's without his consent in a project oh, yeah. you know he would abhor, and he and he's just there. <laughs> I so where's where's Bernie? And you know what? It's not. I, I just thought about this in my head. It's not really funny with any other political candidate. No, like, no. Like, where's Biden? Eh? Where's Warren? Where's Amy uh, Klobuchar? What? No, right? <laughs> but but where's Bernie? Is brilliant. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, the Caravaggio movie. He will Bernie will be. Uh, okay, so now we need money for two things: a Caravaggio, Caravaggio yeah, we project. Need- <laughs> we also are we're now hiring. We need a <laughs> kind of expert Photoshop illustrator, film yes. editor, to help us yep. locate footage of Bernie that we can then insert <laughs> into various uh, shows and movies. Yeah, it's at so bad it's bad cast. Also, this is an unpaid internship position. It's really more of a prestige thing. So, I mean, we will give you a hell of a recommendation, a hundred percent, and and you can be associated with you know a, a podcast which I'm one told, of the top, which I'm told are hot right now. So. Yeah, I and and honestly, if I'm understanding our numbers correctly, the number one podcast in the world. I mean, there's 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 an asterisk there, and then the asterisk leads to a lot of qualifications, but we don't have time for that on our show. Exactly. Our lawyer's name is Sonesh Chainani, and he'll he'll set you straight later. Okay, let's talk about something at least as ridiculous. So the college bribing scandal. Uh, where a bunch of super rich people in the U.S. and probably globally, but I uh, focused in the U.S. around U.S. colleges, basically bribed to get their kids into good colleges in all kinds of uh, silly ways. So you've, I'm sure, so I mean, heard I this mean, uh, whole mess. Yes, yeah, I've, it, it, the, it's it's ridiculous. Also, different definitions of good, but you know w- whether seventy billion dollars is worth it to get into UCLA is up for up for debate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so the the most famous uh, and the people who get the most press who got caught up in this was a couple of uh, actresses. So Felicity Huffman uh, and uh, Lori Laughlin of. Um, uh, what's the name of that show she was on? Uh, she was on Becky in Full House. Yeah, Full House and Fuller House, all that fun stuff. But but I, I did find this uh, this week, which was uh, the most amazing thing that's come out recently in this ongoing scandal. And, and I will uh, I'll give a hat tip to Kieran Healy, a uh, sociology professor at Duke, who for some random reason I follow on Twitter, uh, who clued me into this LA Times story, which had the following amazing set of sentences. Yet, until Friday, Huffman had said little about why she paid a college admissions consultant $15,000 to rig her daughter's SAT score, leaving the public to wonder, why would a mother who could offer her children everything resort to fraud to get them ahead? In her letter, Huffman said she had panicked, having come to believe her daughter's low math scores on the SAT would hamstring her dreams of becoming an actress. <laughs> just okay uh, one she, I, I don't know, know who John, wrote that sentence but it, it's amazing us because that is really so bad it's bad i mean that is the definition of our podcast also presumably she certainly bribed publicity companies to help her or pay them at least yeah what team of what team of peer-reviewed 
for forensic publicists vetted this letter. Oh my god, it's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I think. Unbelievable. I mean, the birth of my children is 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 up there, but this might be better. What here? Here is is. Here's the world I like to imagine, and I, I would like this uh, to really take off. What if we actually make really good math SAT scores a, a hard requirement for all actors and actresses in the future? <laughs> also, what if it's been that way all along and the casting couch <laughs> is really just there's like pen and paper and a desk that you sit at and that's what you have to do to get the part? <laughs> Oh my God! By the way, you and I, we'll, we will get all the parts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, hi, uh, Colin for Tara Reed. We, uh, we got. We, I'm sorry, you, you, you didn't break 700 on 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 your or math SAT Tara, when you came in. It says Adam. you did trig in 11th grade, but this problem set is not impressing us. <laughs> um, it's just. God, what a world. What a world. <laughs> I uh, I, okay, of that whole preposterous formulation, there were two choices. She had a 50-50 chance. She could have said her verbal and English skills, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which legitimately do have something to do with being a professional and trained actor. But she chose just the one, the only one that made no sense. The math portion. Oh, it's it's so good. Uh, <laughs> it's so good. John, thank you for digging that up. I will I will be laughing about that for days. Yeah. Um so she had to submit like a letter to the court to try and explain her fucking behavior and uh this is what she came up with. <laughs> if this also if this was better than all the other alternatives, she screwed. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's just absolutely no legitimate reason if this is the best she no. could come up with. Let's do uh, our thin veneer of respectability here and, and talk about our good cause. What, what do we got? Awesome. So we have a, it's a pretty cool organization I hadn't heard of before called Official Shirts for a Cure. Have you heard about this? Nope. So what it is, it was established in like 2002 by uh, a guy who photographed bands and especially punk rock. And so what it is, is that all these punk bands uh, band together to provide their T-shirts. Like they don't sell them on their own websites or through a uh, for-profit site. They sell them on the uh, Shirts for a Cure project. And um, it was launched, you know, to give basically like all the punk bands had these like concerns about homeless people or other, you know, disenfranchised people. And so they used the proceeds from uh, Shirts for a Cure to uh, donate a, a substantial percentage of all the proceeds go to um, different charities, uh, women fighting breast cancer and other things like that. And they have about 150 bands. Uh, I, I have to be honest, I don't follow the the, the punk scene that closely. But uh, from my understanding, um, th- one of the bands was called Less Than Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Good name. I, I, the other thing is, there's a band called Better Than Ezra, which is kind of famous. I, that I've heard of. I know, but but then I was like, is Le- less than Jake is very good. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. So anyway, there <laughs> the shirts are only fourteen dollars, and in addition to getting a shirt, and all these bands like uh, they agree that it's this is their exclusive distributor. So I think it's pretty cool, actually. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, where do you go to get these uh, sweet shirts? Um, <laughs> Uh, that part I, I forgot to write down. <laughs> Please.
please. Um, okay. I'm gonna Hold if, if you googling. I know that fire. <laughs> we are we are on a roll today. <laughs> oh, it's S F A C period merchnow.com. Uh, wait, what is it? It's, it's not. Let's just be honest. It's not a good website, but it is legit, and it has a green check next to its name. So I think it's verified by okay. a low-level Google employee, probably. Nice. Uh, the website is S F A C period okay merch now period com dot com dot com okay sfac dot merch now dot com all right look up shirts for a cure it'll come up all right yeah just fucking google shirts for a cure people uh to to help out a good cause i was hoping you would not say because half the time you forget (laughs) but of course today you're like what's the website so yeah i'm on i'm on point thanks john (laughs) uh thank you uh, please do go check that out. Part and, of, uh, and as someone who doesn't follow punk, I can also tell you I might get some of those T-shirts because, I mean, not only does some of the proceeds go to charity, but there are some pretty cool designs. Yeah, I bet. Uh, and you can pretend that you're much cooler than you actually <laughs> exactly. are. I need all the cred I can get. All right. We have come on to our celebrity career plan, uh, which we do every episode. Talk about a... Uh, a celebrity who is unfairly past their prime and talk about ways we can we can revive them. And I'm going to take us in a slightly different direction this this app. Okay. Shell Silverstein, beloved childhood author. This motherfucker is crazy. Okay, he um, he is one of the celebrities or people I know whose name and reputation match least with the author photo of him <laughs> that appears on the back of every book. Yep. And that is yeah. the stuff of nightmares. Yeah. Okay. I, th- I'm going to crib freely from, from the Wikipedia article, which is where I got turned on to him somehow. Um, Sinus, do you remember in college that I wrote a, and I think performed a uh, parody version of a boy named Sue? Vaguely. Yeah, I, I have only vague memories myself, but the uh, incredibly famous uh, song, uh, Boy Named Sue, performed, of course, by Johnny Cash. Yeah, guess who wrote that song? Don't tell me, Shel Silverstein. Yeah. What? Okay, so what he's famous for is the thing he did the least of in like his whole life. So he was a cartoonist primarily yes. for uh, many, many years. Uh, and kind of worked as a cartoonist and had a ton published in the uh, in the 50s. And then uh, eventually got into, was like kind of dragged or convinced into writing things, at least marketed to kids. But he didn't really consider himself a, a kid's author. But even more so, huge songwriter. Let's see. In addition to A Boy Named Sue and The Unicorn, a bunch of songs for Johnny Cash he wrote. He wrote a huge number of hits for uh, a rock group, Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show, Hmm. uh, which I don't know. But uh, it includes uh, his his work for that band includes a cautionary song about venereal disease called Don't Give a Dose to the One You Love Most. Oh, okay. I mean, it's good advice. Yeah. Um, uh, Silverstein's The Ballad of Lucy Jordan. Uh, was recorded by Dr. Hook in 75, re-recorded by Marianne Faithful, wow. Linda Carlisle, and Bobby Bear, uh, was in Thelma and Louise, co-wrote a bunch of songs with a bunch of people, including Chris Christopherson, a bunch of random people, Peter, Paul, and Mary, just like a huge uh, songwriter. I, didn't he also live in a, because I have friends who moved to Miami from 
Sausalito, like a houseboat. And I think they said that Shel Silverstein lived in that community. So he had lived on a houseboat in Sausalito and was, I think, you know, smoked a lot of weed and was kind of <laughs> like part of that scene, which is kind of amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think he um, yeah, spent time in Key West and that's where he ended up. That's awesome. So uh, he's obviously dead. I just confirmed in 2017, you could have bought Shel Silverstein's old houseboat for 375000 which seems like kind of a deal for the Bay Area. A pretty good deal. Okay. Can we still get that? Uh, that was 2017 and it was in Curbed and BuzzFeed. So I'm sure someone bought it. Some like oh, douchebag no. millennial hipster, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, he also uh, wrote a song called Fuck 'em. Okay. And uh, a sequel to a boy named Sue called A Father of a Boy Named Sue. He also wrote a uh, poem not for kids about smoke and reefer called The Great Smoke Off. <laughs> so, Shel Silverstein, how do we bring this guy back from his, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, unjustly child-centered reputation? Yeah, that's that's a good point. I think we, we have to involve him in something that's extremely adult. Basically. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he could he could be like a national cannabis promotion figure or like I, I'm just trying to figure like out. It. But you're right, because obviously his kid stuff is dark. But I think everyone's like, oh, he writes dark kid stuff, but it's still like lovable and skirts the edge. But I think more yeah. that he was like a grown up who did grown up stuff and, you know, was very dark. And like the kid stuff was his tentative foray, not not the, the vice versa. You know what I mean? Yeah, like Giving Tree is not a kid's book in my mind. I, I mean, that's just how no, it's been marketed. I, I, it's one of the few things where I can barely see the cover without having a strong emotional reaction. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, maybe some kind of weed company now that weed's becoming big legal business. I could I could see, you know, and the other thing is he has, I, I obviously I've never seen him in person because he's dead, but he has a very <laughs> like Brondo, Mr. Clean oh, yeah. kind of like, I mean, if he was a bouncer at a bar and told me not to go in, I, I would run in the other direction. So I, I do think yeah. some kind of cannabis slash enforcer, slash, I don't know, I, I think making use of his physical presence would be kind of amazing. Yeah, I like that. God, he got two Grammys, a Golden and uh, Gun Globe, and Academy Award nominations. It's wild. He, man, this guy, um, he's uh, like, the more he's one of these people, the more you learn about him, the awesomer he gets. Yeah, totally. Let's let's think about a biopic. Who, who do we want to play Shell? I mean, I would have to say Tilda Swinton. <laughs> Oh, um, okay. Derek, Derek yeah. Jarman, is, who's also dead, I believe, is, yeah. is directing Tilda Swinton yeah, exactly. in a biopic of Shel Silverstein. <laughs> where, that, where yeah. Also where every other character in the movie is played by Danny McBride. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, of course, they're giving uh, different scripts. Boom. <laughs> nailed, yeah. nailed it. Um, and in the, somewhere in every scene... If you look closely, oh, there's Bernie. We found him. There he is. He's in the background. <laughs> I, I, I do want to see Tilda Swinton and Bernie Sanders <laughs> uh, inhabit. If even if they're not actually acting together, I wanted that Photoshop. Do you know what I mean? I want them to cohabit yeah. the same space, interacting with each other somehow. I feel like Tilda Swinton as Bernie Sanders is a movie I would watch. 
Oh, <laughs> I love how how we've just ditched Shel Silverstein, <laughs> and we're just <laughs> here. What about if Tilda? No, no. I want the movie. You know how they made that horrible movie about Barack Obama when he was young called Barry. I want Bernie. Yeah. With Tilda Swinton playing a young Bernie on his Vermont commune, like writing (laughs) radical poetry and making love and feels. I'm I'm so down with this. Yeah. And his best friend Shell is there and it's like, hey, Bernie, you could do so much more. You should write kids books. Come write songs with me uh, for Johnny Cash and live on a houseboat. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And it turns out Bernie's the one that, that talks him into writing kids books. So I I think what we've basically decided is, although we have not fixed on like the media or exact details, (laughs) or even big details, our project is going to feature prominently Bernie Sanders, Tilda Swinton, and Shel Silverstein, who is dead, by the way, so it'll get a little tricky. (laughs) And that combination will be irresistible. We can mocap Shell. yeah. If you're a person in the world who doesn't like at least or admire at least one of those three people, just fuck off, right? Like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. If that's your team, there's nothing. There's no project that team can't tackle. <laughs> well, there's no project you and I are going to come up. Just stop listening to this podcast because it's it's pointless. <laughs> I think that is the end point for this particular. <laughs> when, a, when a podcast fucking... tells you to stop listening to it, I, I think that's People. a natural ending. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll keep talking, but we're going to stop recording. How about that? Just, We've got several just, hours just of work right now. Thank you all for listening so much. Go tell somebody about the podcast and tell them, uh, you know, just search for So Bad It's Bad on on any podcast app. And if you have any connections to Bernie Sanders or Tilda Swinton (laughs) or the people who can disinter Shel Silverstein, please let us know. Yeah, please, please hit us up. We are at ideas at sobaditsbad.com or at sobaditsbadcast on Twitter. You can uh, you can post about it on Facebook and uh, yeah, send us uh, any questions or ideas. We need prompts. We are here to give you our terrible ideas. All right, bye guys. We're out. <laughs>